0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for coming back to World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we can inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So without any further ado, I'm Piper. And I'm Sam. And welcome to World Forge. Hello again, everybody. We're back. We took a break, but now we're back. And it's modern day. It's <laughs> yeah. contemporary. This is all fresh content. It's yeah. uh, not uh, in a Ziploc bag. It's not been in the freezer. It's right here, f- picked fresh off the
1: podcast trees. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we hope that you enjoyed last week's World Forge Rewind. But if you did have a hankering for another brand spanking new episode mm-hmm. from us, then you're in luck because this week we're We're back at it. Yeah. Uh, So (laughs) we are actually tackling a listener requested topic this week. It's been a while since we've done one of those. Mm -hmm. Um, We actually are going to have a couple coming up in the next few weeks leading up to a very exciting guest episode that we're going to be doing in in two or three weeks here. Yeah. Uh, That I I think is going to be a lot of fun. So... Uh, I guess we can kind of just jump right in here. The The topic was requested by Nell Davis on Twitter. They said, uh, World Forge Pod, I love your podcast. I'm running a new campaign next month, and you've given me tons of ideas. Here's a topic suggestion. Intelligent weapons, how they got made, what they want, what powers they have, etc. Thanks for all the ideas. So I think this is a really cool topic because depending on how you sort of define what a weapon is, uh, You, if you're kind of like loosey-goosey with that, you mm-hmm. can have a lot of flexibility with this, yeah. right? You know, is the one ring a weapon? You know, I mean, it depends on who's using it. I, anything can be a weapon if you throw it hard enough, right? <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's kind of an interesting sort of thing. And this will be sort of a a good companion episode to our Sentient Objects episode that we released a few months ago. Yeah,
0: which is why we decided to kind of forego the opening segment where we sort of share inspirations, uh, because a lot of what we would talk about has already been covered in that episode. So maybe, Sam, you can link to that in the description if people want to go back and reference some of these previous examples and creations that we've made.
1: For sure. Yeah, that was a really, I, I think that was one of the most fun episodes we've done recently i really really liked all the stuff that we got from that one that was kind of a lightning round episode sort of like we're going to have in this one so we Mm -hmm. are going to try and by the end of this each of us have sort of an arsenal of sentient and intelligent Mm -hmm. weapons for you to maybe sprinkle into your campaigns or you know for your players to stumble upon or Maybe to even be antagonists in your in your games. I think there's a lot of interesting potential here. So yeah, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in mm-hmm. to doling these out. The way that we're going to do this this week is we are going to pair a randomly selected type of weapon with a random word, uh, as we normally would. So I'm going to go ahead and pick the weapons for us, and Piper, you go ahead and generate the random word. So uh, I need you to go ahead and pick a number one through ten.
0: Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite, number eight.
1: Number eight. Okay, so you got a quarterstaff.
0: All right, a quarterstaff. Uh, it's like a s- big stick that you use to hit people with?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's- is
0: that what um, uh, Donatello wields? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Okay. Uh, it's
1: the one that Napoleon Dynamite is really good with, a bowstaff.
0: A <laughs> quarterstaff. All right, a big <laughs> stick. Yeah, exactly. Um, I will be creating uh, Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm writing this down. A absolutely. Quarterstaff. Cool. If you cut it in
1: half, it's a one 8 death. Hey,
0: wow. Yeah. Um, so before I go and generate my word, I just want to quick, I liked how in when you were reading the tweet that we got, they had some sort of things that I feel like we
1: should address. I got yes, yeah. how
0: it's made, what does it want, and what was the other question that you asked?
1: They talked about how it got made, what it wants, what powers it has. Powers. So sort of the motivations uh, behind what, yeah, I mean, I think- it's fair to treat a sentient weapon exactly the same way as you would treat any NPC or PC in your game. You know, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think a good practice would maybe even be to make a character sheet for a sentient weapon, right? Yeah, and sort of write down where you know who who it's affiliated uh, affiliated with, um, what kind of background it has, what sort of you know maybe it is a person's soul in there. Maybe it just has all the stats of the person that it used to be before they got stuck in a sword or a quarterstaff, as mm-hmm. it were. Yeah, um, or maybe it's just useful to have that in case. You know they they want to get sassy and they start talking to your party and they're making mm-hmm. you know persuasion checks and bluff checks and things like that. It'd be <laughs> useful to have all this information. So uh, I suppose at the end of this, anybody who wants to stat any of these items for us, we're more than happy to have you do that. We've actually been getting a lot of really nice stuff from a, a few different people on Twitter, but we'll we'll shout them out in the rec room this week, I yeah. think, as well, and talk about some other great creators that have been doing some really cool work with some of the things we've created lately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so the random word. That that I got to pair with my quarterstaff is the word Railway,
1: railway. Okay,
0: and so I instantly have a thought in my mind, and I am going to do a classic piper, and I'm going to make its origin a little dark.
1: Okay, great. Because
0: you know that's the easiest thing to do for yes. me, I guess. <laughs> um, so okay, how it's made? Here's how it came to life. Okay, first a little backstory. Yeah, we've got a uh, tyrannical mm, capitalist group who are <laughs> building a railway across the west of whatever fantasy nation this is, and similar to our own uh building of the transcontinental railroad, they. Brought in a bunch of cheap labor and or almost slaves had to go and build this railway for them. Yikes. Uh these people were mistreated and uh there's a lot of, you know, pain and anger and hate that went into the building of this railway. Okay. So there's kind of like the energy that's kind of forged around this this area. Okay. How it was made, I would say that in these big stretches of land, kind of more like desert or prairie areas where there aren't a lot of trees, now you have these metal lines stretching across the earth. And yeah. when it becomes stormy, I'm going to do what I did with the lightning rod in the other episode. It was was struck by lightning that's okay. one of the easiest ways to bring life to something <laughs> if it's not magically based I think lightning uh struck this this stretch of the railroad and a great like kind of energy was held within yeah, this course. one stretch of like metal coil and I think there was at this time a great uprising of these people maybe they were orcs who were like brought in because they're big and strong to kind yeah. of help like carve the land and build this so I think one of them their leaders you know he had enough and he ripped this stretch of metal iron rail off off of the ground, and he used his hands and he twisted it into a great quarterstaff. Oh, cool. And with that, he led the rebellion and the railroad was never finished for they beat their conquerors and they became the conquerors themselves, and they said, Sai and I are a buddy, and they went off.
1: Honestly, I think that's kind of an interesting foundation for a Sort of a, uh, a new like settlement town mm-hmm. out in the desert as well. If they were being forced to build this railroad, and then wherever they stopped building it, they just said, "Well, let's just settle down here and live here." So it's kind of this, you know, literal quote unquote dead end town. Yeah, that when you take the railway as far as it'll go, this is where you end up, and there's a reason why that's where it ends up because they will re- they they refuse to you know, lay one more inch of railway for mm-hmm. anyone but themselves. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Cool. I also think, you know, the, the lightning thing, you're right. Yes, we've used that before. <laughs> um, But it is, I think, fertile ground for, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be lightning. Magic of some kind is, you know, hurled from the sky in mm-hmm. a bolt, right? Yeah. Maybe it is. Uh, maybe one of the orcs gods or something like that said, I will help free my people. And I like to that. Do I was that, just I will, thinking along yeah, those lines. Give them this magic item that will be sort of a, f- a flag that they will wield to kind of rally themselves to, to this cause. Take
0: the staff in your hand, Moses. <laughs> With it, you shall do my wonders. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I like that idea. I like... That you know they prayed to their god and their god responded and he struck yeah. down a lightning bolt and he filled this iron full of energy and he's like use this to free your people. Yeah, it's Moses. Yeah. I did it, Moses. it is. What you
1: made orc <laughs> Moses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, nothing wrong with with Moses being an orc, right? I think that's kind of cool. Actually, yeah, rad um, as hell. Imagine that, like fantasy AU where it's it's like the Bible, it's the Great Exodus, except everyone is like <laughs> elves and orcs and dwarves. That would actually be really interesting. Yeah, I think that would be very cool. I like it. Um, so
0: to address some of these other questions, what does it want? So, because it's supposed to be like a sentient staff, right? It has its own will. Okay. So I think maybe the God put himself into the, the, yeah. Okay. A, a,
1: like a piece of himself is in there yeah
0: or maybe the whole god maybe oh. he you know he's like you know what i will do this for you and he left his place in the sky to go and help his people oh, That's um, cool. and so i think now because I, I feel like a lot of times when you have stories about like prophets and such you know it's a lot of them struggling to interpret what their god wants yes and trying to like you know it's really hard to communicate yeah. and if they ever do you have to yeah. hope that a bush bursts into flames or something like that so there's like
1: i just want to be clear i want to be there to just tell you what i want i don't exactly want there to be any mixed messages this is a
0: very involved god like they're, they're like i'm gonna make sure you don't mess this up and no one else messes this up i'm gonna literally be with you and so the god is in the staff i think i like that yeah and so i think what it wants um i don't know i'm it's well, hard to stray from simply freedom for my yeah, people well, it wants
1: a free it's people I, yeah. I think that makes perfect sense i yeah. think that's a you know a noble pursuit it's kind of what i would want you know whatever god that i worship I would want them to want the best for me, right? I mean, that's what you would hope regardless. So this is sort of the best case scenario from... A god marketing standpoint right mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. good PR for this god to say I, I actually am going to help you unlike those other fair weather gods that only help you when When the going's easy exactly I'm actually Going to come down and help liberate my people Yeah yeah
0: uh, I think so They do a lot of conversing With the staff bearer uh, The one who wields the quarter staff who carries yeah. Them uh, and that person I think they have A pretty good repertoire uh, <laughs> they've, got, <laughs>
1: they've got rapport with the stick Exactly
0: yeah, yeah. you know they, they're they on good terms So when they discuss things they're usually very aggressive with one another but I feel like oftentimes um, anyone can come up to the staff bearer and say you know I have a question for the god and they'll be like yeah shoot and you just get to like talk to the stick I think maybe you have to hold <laughs> it's, I think... it's like the
1: speaking stick think, yeah. yeah you have to hold the stick otherwise you're not allowed to talk at their like group meetings
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think in order to hear the god you have to hold the staff in your hands yeah, okay. and then you can hear its voice in your head and then you can like talk to them and, uh, and give them your prayers and ask them for guidance and they'll tell you what they know
1: so I I actually think this presents an interesting opportunity for kind of a cool alternate growth mechanic, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You know, you you obviously as a character, you level up through the game and you get, you know, new abilities, your stats increase, your, you know, you get stronger weapons and gear and things like that. But something that I always think is really fun, and, and I think this was kind of popularized recently by Critical Role. I'm pretty sure they have like a whole system for how they do this. But having weapons that kind of grow and evolve with you, so you pick a weapon, you, you create it or you buy it or you find it or whatever at a low level and you can hang on to it and as you get stronger the weapon also gains new abilities It you add like a silvering to it so it can hurt werewolves now you know you add a big magical gem to the hilt of your sword so that it now it does fire damage too. it uh you know over time it is bathed in the blood of so many dragons that it be, you know it it gains like a proficiency in killing dragons or something like that right I think the way that you could do this that would be kind of cool is this God. They put themselves into this staff. And at first, their their body has to like attune to this world basically. In in the heavens, in their sort of celestial realm, they're all powerful. They can do whatever they want. But when they're down on our mortal plane, their powers are limited because they've confined themselves to the staff. So yeah. maybe over time, as the wielder of this staff is getting stronger, they're sort of unlocking the power of the gods. So, mm. you know, maybe at first it is that they can only speak to the person holding it. They can only you you know, like kind of mentally whisper into their ear. But over time, maybe they can speak out loud. Then, you know, even further down the road, maybe they can, you know, have their voice go booming across an entire, you know, continent or, yeah. you know, all of these different abilities could kind of uh, evolve until eventually maybe they can temporarily take the form of an actual, you know, like a like a human or an orc-like form mm-hmm. temporarily. So cool. instead of just swinging the staff around on your own, you could set it down, it would sprout legs and arms, and then just go to town on your enemies for a few turns.
0: Yeah, although now I'm just picturing like a stick with arms and legs, kind of <laughs> doing like a ding-ding, like put up your do yeah, kind of a, a thing. A, but little, yeah.
1: a little stick bug of an orc, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I like it. I like that idea a lot. Um, I like the idea, too, that this staff would be then handed down through generations There's always yeah. a staff bearer within this like this Group of people. Absolutely. I also Like the idea that you know If someone heard about this because I think I want to call This the god staff. Like, yes, that's what they refer to the god, it as The god stick. And if somebody heard about A god staff, a staff that had a god Inside of it, I'm sure they'd be like, ooh, I'm gonna go take That. Yeah. That sounds like a great source of power But I like the idea that because The god is so connected with its People that if you were to like go In with like the best rogues or whoever and you Were to somehow steal the staff and take it away from them suddenly the god would not stay inside the staff anymore the staff would oh, just yeah. become a piece of metal and there would no longer be any power because the yeah. god stays with the people so then i they it almost jump become, into
1: some other item or jump into right. its former wielder or yes something like and that. that
0: could be if you want to put that into a plot that could be kind of a transformative like journey and experience because yeah. then they become almost like a lost god and maybe they're wandering looking for their tribe trying to get back to them yeah
1: i like this idea a lot of sort of the the staff has a home Mm -hmm. amongst its own people right and what happens when outside forces kind of interfere with that bond you know maybe another god that is sort of rivals with this god would see this as an opportunity to you know hey well they they left heaven temporarily they or they left the celestial plane temporarily Mm -hmm. i'm going to Make sure that they stay there. I don't Mm -hmm. want them coming back. So they would lock them away. They would close the door behind them and, you know, bar, you know, bar the gates essentially into heaven so Mm -hmm. that this God can't ascend again or it can't reascend. Which Uh, I feel like
0: the way I'm envisioning this God, I think that'd be totally okay with them. Yeah. I think the amount of time they've spent on the mortal plane with their people, they're like, this is where I always want to be. And who knows, maybe... I just
1: want to be a stick forever.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe they're being kept away from heaven for so long means that over time their power decreases. Yeah, maybe. Because they're away from the source of that. Or maybe it gets stronger because their people believe in them so much that they actually they're, it's like, well, nothing can really hurt me because so long as my people care for me and I care for them, it's just like a nice little circle.
1: It could be like uh, American gods where the more people believe in you, the more powerful you become or something, right? Isn't that how that works?
0: It's sort of, yeah, it's like a, a toll system almost yeah. like the more that people pray to you in their different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what makes you powerful. Otherwise you're kind like of just that. immortal or you vanish.
1: So there's a cool weapon and there's a couple of cool potential adventures here. You yeah. know, maybe it is just a, a, God that comes down to try and liberate their people. Maybe they come down temporarily just to kind of go sightseeing and another God says, I'm going to stick you in this staff. You're, you're going to be stuck here. You know, I'm taking advantage of your weakened state. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different things you could do with this. Maybe it gets stolen by a group of thieves. I would love to hear, listeners, what you would want to do with this, what mm-hmm. you think it could, what kind of havoc it could wreak on your worlds, <laughs> I think would be fun to hear about. Yeah. Should we maybe sunset this one and jump over to another weapon here? Let's do it. Farewell to the god staff. Farewell to the god staff.
0: So long farewell. Avidazen. Goodbye. So
1: I, Pepper, can you actually, can you pick a number for me too, one through ten, because I'm looking at the screen here.
0: Yeah, you're going to get number four.
1: Okay, number four. Half of eight. <laughs> so I have got a long sword. Okay, kind of a classic. Uh, what is my word prompt now? Language. Language. Ooh, okay. So Ooh. this is, a, <laughs> you know what? I really like the idea of a sentient weapon. It's already remarkable that it can speak. And, um, you know, even if it isn't speaking, that it has ways of communicating with the, you know, sentient world right mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know can swords just talk to other swords and we don't know about it is it only <laughs> remarkable that they can talk to us
0: only if yeah. you like strike it like with uh one of those what's the sound thing oh like a little tuning a fork that fork, yeah, goes yeah. bing and it's like vibrating <laughs> then they can talk to each so,
1: other so i think it would be interesting to take a weapon that you know a, a long sword is this classic sort of version of it's it's the first type of sword that I think of it's the first weapon that I think of whenever I'm picturing like a fantasy hero or mm-hmm. something like that uh, so i like the idea of attaching attributes to something that is viewed as a tool for killing that have nothing to do with violence yep. right so using language as my prompt what if we had a sword that anyone who wields it can comprehend all spoken language or maybe the sword itself can comprehend all spoken language so it's meant to be sort of an ambassador's blade
0: i like that a lot uh, i think that would the be really really cool blade. yeah Ooh.
1: anytime an emissary of this you know this great kingdom is sending out to another kingdom to parlay with them, they wear this sword on their hip so that they can be sure that there's no confusion during their meeting. They they will understand perfectly the intention and uh you know the meaning behind everything it is that they say. That's cool. I think that'd be really cool. Um so and, how well how yeah, is this made? How, how is it made indeed? So <laughs> maybe it was someone who was like a you know a polyglot or like magically was able to understand all spoken language on their own maybe they volunteered to like put their soul into this sword when they died thinking that it would just be sort of their you know kind of a shadow of their former self Mm -hmm. so as they're nearing their deathbed they say all right put put me in the sword and they transfer (laughs) their soul and then don't realize that they're actually going to go on living in this sword. Mm. So they end up continuing their life just as a, a living weapon now.
0: If that's the way it's going to be, then the way that I think you have to put this person's like soul into the sword is like, obviously someone there with magic is like doing things to the sword, but to actually make the transfer, you have to obviously oh, you gotta stab, stab yeah. that person with the sword and then yeah. f- they go
1: into the metal. Absolutely. You yeah. gotta stab them right in the brain so it gets all their language skills. There you go, right yeah. in the mouth. Right in, in the, the talk hole. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I think that... I I like the idea of it being, yeah, a a loyal servant of Mm -hmm. a great king or queen or something like that. And so they said, I will continue serving you even in my death. And then they actually unintentionally go on living forever. And they're just extremely passionate about language. They want to go and they want to always be doing language stuff as a sword. And maybe there are wielders over time who say, I want to... I want to use you to stab things. And they go, I wouldn't you rather just like sit down and talk maybe like it's a, <laughs> a sword that's constantly talking you out of using it. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So um, just another uh, random idea to in case just to throw it out there for other ways that the sword maybe like yeah. came to being. Um, it could also have just simply been like a plain artifact that was kept in something similar to like a tower of Babel, like a great library oh, cool. of language. And then maybe one day the library burned and yeah. all the combined animals Energy and wisdom that was stored there. It was enough that it actually had some sentience that was almost like awoken by the fire, oh, and it like jumped into the sword. And it says, "Okay, the books may have burned, but the knowledge is preserved now in this object."
1: Well, or maybe it's like you know the Library of Alexandria, mm-hmm. right, which burned in uh, I don't know, like five hundred years ago or five thousand years ago. Yeah, I don't don't know try guessing. I you have, have no, no idea, idea what year that was. <laughs> Uh, when the Library of Alexandria burned, I remember hearing some, you know, anecdotally, somebody was saying, this is probably just in like a Reddit post or something I read. It certainly wasn't in like a scholarly tome of any kind, but somebody was sort of postulating that when that burned, it probably set technology and, and human civilization back like, like hundreds yeah, of years or something, totally. right? So maybe this is a similar story. There's this great library where all of the world's knowledge is collected and it's destroyed through, you know, maybe through a freak accident, maybe through sabotage, maybe just through, yeah, you know, just an earthquake swallows it up or something. You know, who, who knows when these things happen? There's nothing <laughs> you can do about it sometimes, right? Maybe there was a a dedicated librarian who said, this knowledge has to live on. I will, I, I have the power to I I know this great spell; it will come at a great cost, but I can still preserve all of this knowledge. It cannot be lost. And they just grab the first object that they see near them that Mm -hmm. they think will be durable, that will survive this this fire. And they, you know, it's a sword that's hanging on the wall. They grab this sword and then they hold it to their to their chest and they whisper the magic words, and all of the knowledge is sucked into the sword, and their body is destroyed, Mm -hmm. and they become basically the keeper of all of this knowledge that goes on living in this sword.
0: Yeah, I think both options are cool, but it's your. so you can Absolutely. choose whichever
1: one you like well we can ha- have both the the lucky thing for us piper is that we don't have to choose <laughs> what <laughs> we have created i think two separate and equally interesting options for this i love the idea of just all of this knowledge being stored in a weapon like this and whoever wields it be they worthy or not are granted all of, you know, all of this lore. You, mm-hmm. you could become the most powerful person in the world because you have knowledge no one else has. Yeah. And with that, you know, we'll use it for good or evil. Like, that's your choice.
0: I like the idea that this sword, so you hold it and you can understand and comprehend all languages. Do you think you have to actually be holding it by the hilt or can it just be hanging from your belt and then you'll still get all the info if it's just simply on your person?
1: I mean, I think it could just be worn on yeah. a belt or, you know, because if you're... like the original idea the ambassador's blade, if you go into every with your sword meeting out, with yeah. your sword drawn, exactly, it's, it's not gonna really going to be cause some problems. A, yeah.
0: Yeah. Because um, I was wondering, too, I was imagining when I picture this, like, because when I picture this sword, like, talking to its owner, I imagine, like, the blade kind of, like, glowing with every word.
1: Yeah. Kind of like how, yeah. like,
0: yeah, I don't know, just being like, what up, Dave? It, no, like, you exactly, can't see my hands, exactly. but I'm making little talky hands. <laughs> a little, yeah, and yeah. that's, like, the glowing light coming off of the blade.
1: It's sort of like if you watch, um, you know, like, the waveform of, like, audio. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, bop, 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 like, bumps <laughs> up and down, like, that.
0: which i just had a fun yeah. idea um if that is how the sword works and it glows when it speaks um if you were found yourself you're the the owner the possessor of this blade and you find yourself in an incredibly it, dark you place know what?
1: it is weird to c- to talk about being the owner of a sentient sword like that is kind of strange <laughs> you're like, the guardian yeah yeah the, it's friend <laughs> yeah. i guess <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and you find yourself trapped in an incredibly dark cave and you pull out the sword and it starts talking and it creates a light and you're like that's it you're like quick um Anthony, the sword, my good friend, start talking and don't stop. You're going to light the way. And they're like, hmm, well, I'll tell you about this one time when I was hanging out with the king of the giants. Oh, my God. And then by and, the end
1: of the cave, they're just like, oh, my God, shut up.
0: Right? And he's like, I'll sing you a song. Oh, I'll tell you a tale about language. It goes like this. And you're just like, my God, when are we out?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I think that's really interesting. I also think it would be kind of funny if it only, you know, your question about does it only work when, You have it being held in your hand or does it work if you're holding it? That is kind of an interesting little twist to put on it that it's a sword that allows you to understand any language, but maybe only when you're fighting. You know, if you oh, have that would suck if you challenge, Yeah, <laughs> not, like, what does it matter? <laughs> well, because if you challenge someone to a duel while you're dueling, like the duel itself is kind of a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think that's sort of an interesting metaphor, right? Yeah. That between two great swordsmen, mm-hmm. they they could say just as much with their sword as they can with their words. Right. Now and I'm- so, <laughs> you know, certain people you might be able to kind of say, "Oh, hey, look, let let's just let's settle this in the ring and they would have a sword fight and then at the end of it they'd go, I think I understand you better now." Because I, I don't know, like I could yeah. totally see that with two two great warriors going, "No, I respect you for mm-hmm. the way that you fight, the way that you, you know, wield this blade is so beautiful. It, you know, moved me to tears. It's like an art form in the same way as, you know, a great poem or a great story or a great <laughs> painting or something like that is."
0: You finish the duel and you're like, "Oh, wow, I really understand you now." And then they just stab you and you're like, "Oh, you bastard!"
1: (laughs) i thought you i thought you understood he's like i did but i still want to kill you i I still i still have to win (laughs) yeah no that's that's great so three interesting directions to go with this one so there's a little hat trick with that one there you go uh let's toss it back over your way piper here uh weapon number two for Mm -hmm. you what is the next number that you are picking
0: take uh number one like me
1: number one like you yes All right. Number one, because Piper is number one, you (laughs) got a rapier. A rapier. So speaking of duelist's swords here, kind of classically the, you know, pirate or nobleman dueling weapon, Mm -hmm. uh, the rapier.
0: I also got the word alcoholic.
1: Alcohol. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) To me, this is interesting because I see a rapier as very much like a finesse weapon. You Mm -hmm. know, it requires a lot of skill and precision and dexterity. And the idea of, you know, an alcoholic, somebody who maybe doesn't always have full control over their Their motions uh, trying to wield this weapon or being stuck inside of this weapon yeah, um, would be an interesting parallel.
0: My mind instantly went to like a drunk master sort of a thing. Oh, cool. Yeah, like someone who's like intoxicated, but they're at their best for whatever reason when they're drunk. Oh, I um, love that. So what I actually, what I'm going to go with about how it's made, uh, I'm going to take a, a, a page from the Gotham handbook, and I'm going <laughs> to okay. say that we had uh, this great swords person, let's say uh, it was a lady, because we need to make some, for some sure. female characters here. Uh, and I think she was doing a, a great duel in um, a Gotham style winery where yeah, okay. there's like these big.
1: What is a Gotham
0: style oh, winery? I'm going to elaborate. Okay, it's just, just you
1: listen. It's just gargoyles everywhere, is what I picture. No,
0: it's a um, a, a walkway with no railings suspended <laughs> several feet above giant vats of boiling wine. Of
1: course, of course.
0: And uh, she's winning and she's doing a great job, but then somebody plays dirty because she's an honorable person and they, they throw some sand in her face or some shit. And she falls (laughs) over the edge and she plummets into Into a pot of boiling wine. (laughs) Yeah, a pot of boiling wine. And the guy's up there and he's like, well, my work here is done. I'm sure she's dead. I'm not going to bother to check. And then he leaves. And then, you know, people, they pour some wine from this uh brew and they're like oh this is soiled what's in here and they drain it they find a body and they're like gross so they hold that out of there she's dead they get rid of the body but they're like oh there's also this nice sword in here what do we do with this and he's like i don't know sell it so we can maybe the
1: the sword hiccups get
0: some yeah get some profits uh to make up for this entire case of wine that we now have to throw away which was soiled and uh her soul has actually been put into said rapier uh, when she like fell that. into this magical vat of I, boiling wine. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, you know,
1: I also, I just really want to say here, any Vintners in the audience do not uh, come at us about the fact that you'd, almost certainly don't ever boil, boil wine this at is, any point in the,
0: in the it just makes it more dramatic process. from the the imagery you know if it's not just like a normal vat of wine like yeah, who cares but it, sure. it's like bubbling it's boiling maybe hot.
1: it's like a regional thing yeah. you know how like in uh in some places you drink beer at room temperature uh, yeah. they, they drink their wine boiling hot in, on, on some exotic island
0: there's a name for that i just had hot wine for the first
1: time oh, yeah like like mulled wine yeah like yeah. mulled wine yeah. yeah maybe
0: that's what they're working on
1: that's it it was um, a giant christmas vat of mulled wine.
0: exactly yeah no it's funny quick side story my friends and i we get together every holiday season for like a friend's dinner kind of a thing and um we this year my friend lillian she made us mold wine and i lillian, tried it who was
1: actually on last week's yeah, last episode, week's episode.
0: Yes. it's yeah. perfect uh and i just sat there i'm like mm, i love this hot wine yeah. <laughs> it's just like
1: nice i think there is something to be said about certain drinks are meant to be had at certain temperatures mm-hmm. i've never had hot wine it's good Uh, actually I, i could imagine in the the cold winter months you know in a a week such as this, where it was like negative 10 degrees for 10 days straight yeah, uh, here, here in the, the great white north, uh, that would be a lovely little thing. Or, or hot sake, I guess. Sake is rice wine, yeah. and I love hot sake. So. Exactly.
0: No, I thought it was yeah. perfect. I, I love coffee, and I love warm bevies. And so to like, you know, it gives you that buzz, but also it's warming your tummy. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was nice. But yeah, so I think um she, because she was so saturated with all the alcohol, that's what makes her the quote unquote alcoholic like sword. Yeah, of course. Well, so. and she was a
1: drunken master. Anyway, right? yeah.
0: <laughs> well, she wasn't a drunken master, but now she is. She oh. was just like a great master. Oh, cool! Who fell okay. into wine, and now she's a drunken master. So I think I like the idea that you know eventually she she gets into the the hands of you know some like eager young novice, and she's like, I'll teach you how to sword fight. But parry me. <laughs> Like, you know, she teaches them how to, like, be good at using her as
1: a weapon. So this also kind of raises an interesting question to me is, if you are drunk when you die, is your ghost drunk for all of eternity? Yes, right? probably. <laughs> right? I think so. Do you just always live on for the rest of your your undeath as a, as a drunken ghost? Um, I, I like that. I think it's interesting because it poses... A a very strange sort of relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, she was well known as this great master Mm swordswoman. Maybe this new wielder of this blade was in search of her in the first place to try and find her and, and, you know, have her take them on as a student. And they hear of the tragedy of her death, but then also find out, well, she lives on in this sword. If I can get this sword, then maybe she can teach me. And maybe at this point... She's been a sword for a while and a lot of people have kind of thought this and said, oh, you know, she she still has all of that sage wisdom, all of this, this skill that she can impart upon me. Uh, and they wield the sword and they just find that she's just too drunk to offer them anything. So by this point, it's like... <laughs> you know you buy it at like a thrift shop it's right. not like a great blade that exactly. demands a high price they're it's like just, oh, how far she's fallen it's
0: just hanging off of some guy's cart and he's like yeah. goes from town to town trying to sell it off to people <laughs> people keep um, returning
1: it they're not they're happy like yet. I don't
0: want this sword anymore and he's like damn it why do I offer a return policy <laughs> exactly I
1: really need to change the way that that works it's
0: like Maddie meeting Rooster Cogburn you know yeah. he's just like a drunk buffoon and she's like god damn it
1: absolutely I love like <laughs> um, that
0: one thing I like the idea of is that because she was partially forged in wine. Yeah. I think
1: Forged in wine. Forged in I wine. I
0: think if she's going to be her strongest, like if you're entering like combat, she's like, here's the thing: you gotta boil up a big pot of wine. <laughs> just stick me in there. It'll make my metal really strong.
1: Yeah, tempered with tempered with grape juice. Yes, yeah.
0: just do it. Just rub me with grapes.
1: So, you know, maybe that just is leave an interesting. Me out in the sun. <laughs> here's, a, here's an interesting mechanic we could introduce here. So maybe as the wielder gets more drunk the the drunkenness of this great swordswoman in the sword like abates oh, right so it, like, transfers it, exactly so she becomes more sober and more coherent mm-hmm. as the wielder drinks more so they have to find this perfect balance of <laughs> drunkenness of you know like when when you're drinking with your friends and you have those conversations where it's like everything makes perfect sense mm-hmm. right now because we're drinking and if you ever you know hear a recording of yourself or see a video of yourself you know drunk the next day you're right. like what the fuck was i talking about (laughs) none of this makes any sense you know that's what you have to reach is you have to reach that perfect level of drunken understanding exactly where you're in exactly the same place and it's just that balance that that nobody ever realized they needed to find with her and that's why no one else was able to to leverage her her abilities
0: i like the idea that if you know that person who makes that Perfect connection with her. If you're ever in a sword fight with them, they usually have the rapier in one hand and like a bottle of wine in yeah, the other, absolutely. and they're taking drinks from it as they like fight you. And I you're like,
1: really want to play this character now?
0: <laughs> and you're like, you're like, goddamn it, pay attention to me! Like you're not treating me with honor, and you're like, oh, you don't understand. I'm just making myself stronger.
1: This is me during like most tasks that I carry out in the day to day basis. So. We invented Sam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I really like that idea a lot. I I think. It pulls in all the different aspects of the Drunken Master thing in a very interesting way, right? But it also sort of says you need to have control in the sort of chaos, in the randomness. Yeah. Um, That's really neat. Thanks. So uh, let's just leave that one where it is, I think, Piper. It's time for prompt number two and weapon number two for me. So again, will you pick another number for me and pick another random word?
0: This time we're going to go with number five.
1: Number five. I got... Ooh, I got nunchaku. What is uh, that? Nunchucks.
0: Oh, nunchucks. Nice. <laughs>
1: uh, How
0: many testicles are you going to accidentally strike? Yeah, exactly. My <laughs> own,
1: uh, at least three or four times, I think in this process of, of creating this. So Piper, what is the random word that I am going to be striking myself in the testicles with?
0: <laughs> Your word is soap. Soap.
1: Interesting. <laughs> soap nunchucks. Okay. Soap
0: nunchucks. Maybe they're carved from soap.
1: Well, that's <laughs> what I was going to say is maybe they're, maybe they're made of like soap stone or something like that. Um, I, yeah, I guess we haven't really used any of these words to discuss what the weapons are made of, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've just kind of assumed it's a regular old sword or staff or whatever. I, I guess yours is made of a railway uh, spike mm-hmm. or a railway girder or whatever you would call it. Yeah, a rail. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I wonder if maybe we made these nunchucks out of a magical material kind of in that vein as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was something that was carved out of soapstone, I, I remember... I don't know. I had a chess set when I was a kid that I remember my dad told me was made of soapstone. I don't know if that's a real thing. I don't know what, or what that is. actually is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. But you it was. you keep talking, I'll Google it. Thank you. It was a very elaborately carved little chess set. Um, and it had the, the stone was kind of like soft, almost it felt like. And I've always just pictured that in my head as, like, a fine, like, artisan's material, right? So... I got some uh,
0: definitions for you. Oh, okay. Soapstone is a talc schist, which is a type of metamorphic rock. It is composed largely of the magnesium-rich mineral talc.
1: Okay. Oh, so, yeah, talc, like talcum powder. Okay, great. So... Maybe not a great thing to make a weapon out of because it's (laughs) very
0: soft. (laughs) It just breaks in half at the first strike. (laughs) It's like, ow, my body.
1: No, but you know, I do like the the direction I was going with that is I always pictured it as sort of an artisan's uh, material and that anytime you saw something made of that, it would have very fine detailed carvings or inlays or, you know, filigrees or things like that in it. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's these nunchucks that have, you know, almost like a, like a, like a tapestry or like a relief carved into them depicting the life of some great warrior that's cool and maybe the way that they were created was that it wasn't intended to be a sentient weapon but the creator the artisan who carved this tale in it put so much of their love and energy and and soul into this act of creating it that it sort of randomly it, it spontaneously generated life like the the magical energy was so great that it burst forth and created new life in this weapon. So basically the weapon was like, You know, it was born in the way that, you know, like vision was born essentially (laughs) in the Avengers. Um,
0: Um, Another thing here from the Wikipedia page, it says that this rock is often formed uh, by heat and pressure with an influx of fluids without melting.
1: Oh, well. So um, I don't
0: know if that helps inspire you more. Not really. Okay. uh. well, I thought I'd share it just in case. (laughs) Apparently it has been a medium for carving for thousands of years. Well,
1: okay. so there you go. So that's exactly where I was at with it. So, yeah, I, I think having it be something where it's not a great old master or, you know, a savvy uh, individual who's been around the block a few times it it's a weapon that was, Literally just created this very moment and now is experiencing the world anew for the first time.
0: Cool. I um, like that. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a person before; it just was kind of born. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, Hello, this is me. I guess I'm in the world yeah. now. Hi. life
1: sprang forth out of this great act of creation. Cool. Right. I, I think that's neat. So
0: does that mean? All okay, right. So tell us about who carved it, because that would be their creator, their mother, their father.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I guess they, they would, would consider them, consider them to way. be sort of a relative. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I bet make it a lady. Yeah. Okay. This should be
0: <laughs> gender <laughs> yeah. representation.
1: Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, this would be a woman. Maybe she was commissioned to create these like ceremonial nunchucks for a, a king or a noble or a magister or, or something like that. Yeah. Or just a big nerd, right? <laughs> I think it should be a powerful person that they were cool. commissioned by. Cool. Right. And they create this this weapon, and after they're done, you know, they they exhausted. Kind of slump down in a heap, and they hear a voice. They say, oh, you, did, "You did a really great job with this." And they look around, and there's nobody in the room. And they're like, "Excuse me." I go no over here, over here. Oh, and they hear the voice coming from the table where they were just working. And they look down, and the nunchucks are kind of vibrating. <laughs> they go, "Yeah, it's me. You you made me. Good work, you know." And so there's there's now this sort of question of, well, someone paid me to make a weapon, but you can't really own something that is alive and sentient and has a personality. So I don't feel right just giving it to this rich noble to put up on their mantle place, you know, and never use anymore. I have to, take this and and hide it and maybe they have to go into they have to run away basically they have to leave everything behind to protect this new sort of soul that they brought into the world and they would have sort of a motherly relationship with it i think that would be really interesting that they would kind of treat it like their child like their baby and they would have this sort of maternal instinct to protect it i like that Um, i yeah i think that would be very fun and they would sort of say this is a a thing of beauty in the same way as you know a life Mm -hmm. is any other life is a thing of beauty and this deserves to be protected. So this could be an individual that maybe they hire your party to kind of guide them through this town where they know the magistrate has sent their goons to look for them. They have to you know, you have to help them kind of take the Underground Railroad, as it were, to, mm-hmm. to help protect this item that they have created and given life to.
0: Cool. I like that. Yeah, It's making me think of, like, Pygmalion, of someone, you know, carving something from stone and they love it so much that it comes to life.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you know isn't, that story? Yeah. Isn't Pygmalion a thing, though, where, like, you're really ugly and no. it's like a reverse Dorian Gray? What am I thinking of?
0: I don't know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of that movie with the girl from Gilmore Girls where she has a little pig nose. Maybe. um penelope or something I don't, I don't know yeah no pygmalion <laughs> is about a man who've carved a statue and he loved it so much that it like came to life interesting and he was like you're my wife now and she's like mm. <laughs> "Am, I? Am she's I? Like, I don't know about that
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay that's that's interesting yeah uh yeah i i think i think that's another it's good that we have weapons that are meant to be used as weapons mm-hmm. and weapons that are kind of in the middle they're sort of a, like a flag for a group of people and then weapons that just kind of exist for themselves that have their own life that yeah. they don't want to just be used by yeah, a, they don't want to be wielded by some random person forever.
0: I like the idea that this character that is the the nunchucks they obviously look like a weapon so if someone didn't know them they'd pick them up and they'd want to use them that way but they'd be like don't I will literally break if you hit yeah. me against anything
1: yeah absolutely yeah I'm made of this like weak ass stone the soap stone.
0: it makes <laughs> me think don't. of um in one of my uh guilty pleasure favorites the haunted mansion mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh mm-hmm. Madame leota there's a scene because she's just like a head in a glass ball Madame
1: leota related to uh, ray leota I believe
0: right <laughs> no <laughs> um but there's a scene where eddie murphy picks 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 her up and he's carrying her around and she's like, she's like, don't drop me. I'm fragile. I'm very fragile. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, that would suck.
1: uh, That would be very much the same vibe is they're kind of, you know, they're, I think the personality of these nunchucks would be, they're sort of naive, Mm -hmm. right? And they've
0: been like sheltered by their mother their whole life.
1: Exactly. They've been protected. You know, they want to kind of see the world and experience it, but they also are, they're very fragile and they, they are watched over by kind of an overbearing Mother, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that makes for a very interesting dynamic that if, say, the mother hires you to protect her and this weapon. And as you're doing this, maybe you kind of you aren't supposed to find out that this weapon is sentient. Right. Mm -hmm. Maybe they keep that a secret. And maybe overnight you're at camp, you're you're kind of hidden away in the brush somewhere. You hear someone whispering to you just as the mother did Mm -hmm. saying, hey, over here, come here. And the weapon tells you. No one's supposed to know that I'm sentient, but I really just want to see the world outside of our caravan. Can you please just take me around town so I can (laughs) sort of see the sights? And, you know, you have to say, well, the mother's the one paying me, Mm -hmm. but is it right for her, even with the best of intentions, to sort of lock this, yeah. this soul away. Yeah. And it's this interesting balance, right? It's it, Rapunzel
0: it, asking Flynn to take her to see the lanterns. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. It, it creates an opportunity for, I think, some really interesting conversations. Yeah. You know, where do you draw the line mm-hmm. between an okay amount of protective overbearingness and, um, you know, needing to give someone space to make their own mistakes and put themselves in danger if if that's what they want to do, right? If you're trying to protect them so that other people don't take away their freedom, mm-hmm. is taking their freedom away so you can do that acceptable, yeah. right? Taking away a little bit of their freedom? Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a big question.
1: It really is a big question. So Yeah. Well, um, cool. I think this is good yeah. for these two. Uh I I like all four of the options that we've gotten today. I think it's a good number. I was... Yeah, you know, we kind of talked about maybe as we were creating these, finding ways to jump in with some of our, our own recommendations, but we it didn't really need to come up. I mean, I think we are able mm-hmm. to just sort of go freely with all of these. Yeah. I do want to just mention quick lightning round, a few that I was kind of hoping to talk about <laughs> that I think are really interesting. Okay. Um, so the the big one that I really wanted to talk about was uh, the Master Sword from the Legend of Zelda series. Mm. Um, I like it because I think that's kind of the perfect example of what you would view as this stereotypical sentient sword. Um, Does in, it talk to you? Yeah. In Skyward Sword, the Master Sword literally has like a spirit that lives inside of it that is your guide throughout the game. Whenever you're like, oh, what does that enemy do? They say, well, this enemy is really weak. If you hit it from behind or if you throw this thing at it to distract it, then you can come and strike it while it's unaware. It's like, I think that's, an interesting role for a weapon like this to play and it's not something that we really touched with any of these quite in that way mm-hmm. um, you know, the closest I guess would be the drunken master rapier but there's heavy drawbacks to the way that we sort of did that so mm-hmm. I like the idea of a weapon as a companion and sort of a member of the party and that's mm-hmm. what I really see with the master sword yeah. very very much so I just wanted to mention that one really quick mm-hmm. um, there's also Anglikel from the Silmarillion which I, I know I definitely mentioned in our other yeah. sentient objects one but it's a cool cursed blade that basically is foretold to bite its wearer just as, (laughs) you know, harshly as those it is used against, its wielder as harshly as it's used against or something like that, which I think is also really cool. Kind of a a commentary on the idea of using violence to solve your problems. Like it'll come back at you. It will rebound upon you.
0: You saying well. that just like made an idea pop into my head, oh, what which is it? I feel like kind of works for this, even yeah. though it's not a weapon. It's more of like a protective item. Yeah. But I was just thinking well, like, of, like you said,
1: anything can be a weapon if you swing it or throw it hard enough. Well, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just thinking, cause that made me think of like, when you said it bites its owner, it made me think of like how like mimics, you know, they can hide themselves to look oh, like yes. things. And I like the idea of, you know, it'd be really creepy if you had a mimic that always looked like a helm, like a helmet. Oh, Cool. And so you put it on and its teeth are like around your neck and it just chops your head off and it oh, just bites your head off and it eats you.
1: So that's so funny. Um, in Dark Souls 1, there is actually a helm that's just like that. It's called the Helm of Avarice where there is an enemy in the game that's a mimic. It's... It's a little different than kind of the traditional, you know. Normally, when you see a mimic in like a D and D game or something like, like that, box it's with teeth. literally just a box that opens up with teeth. It is a box with teeth, but when you try to open it, it sprouts arms and legs and a body, mm-hmm. and it jumps up. And just its head is this this box, I've right? I've seen that guy. Um, yeah, it, they're yeah. super weird. They do like karate spin kicks on you. It's a very strange <laughs> enemy, but you can you have like a one percent chance of them dropping the helm of avarice when. Uh, when you kill them. And it, when you wear it, it makes it so that whenever you kill enemies, you get more souls, you get more currency, but also it slowly saps your, your health. Ah, uh, so it's like it's, feeding on yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. It's basically feeding on you as you wear it. Cool. Um, it's a really, really interesting sort of. Con- it's just like what you're talking about, basically. Yeah. So um, that
0: just bites you. It decapitates you. Yeah, totally. When you put the helmet on.
1: Yeah, or you know, or like a like a bag of devouring or something like that that yeah. you just stick somebody in, and you know, it's a good way to get rid of a body.
0: I like the idea of a helmet acting like a Venus flytrap, essentially. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, it has like a glamour genius. on it, and it's like I'm so pretty, and I will protect you so well. You really want to put me on your head, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to wear this. Off, Genius. And you're just like, oh shit, I'm dead.
1: It would be the most, you know, the most beautiful helmet encrusted with jewels and gold <laughs> leaf and all this stuff to to attract, you know, the greediest and, and strongest adventurers mm-hmm. into its lair so they can, yeah, chomp down on them.
0: And that would be a cool, creepy thing if you're like walking into the place where this is kept and the ground is just littered in decapitated bodies and you're like, huh, yeah. this is weird. <laughs> Might as well ignore that and put this thing on my head.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, surely this won't happen to me as no, well. No, no, that's, <laughs> that's silly. These guys must have all been fighting over this cool helmet. Yeah,
0: yeah. and they all just went for each other's heads. Uh, I better you know, protect my head by putting this helmet on.
1: We didn't really talk about creating an <laughs> evil weapon like that and I, I do think it would be interesting with maybe they don't kill them right away. Maybe it's a helmet that you put it on and then they can mind control you. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the helmet is sentient. It's some old wizard that put themselves in a helmet because they thought this is the path to immortality, you know, flesh and bone. (laughs) Mother always
0: said, (laughs) wear your helmet. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, they would say like flesh and bone will decay over time. But, you know, steel is is immortal. A diamond is forever, right? Steel will last forever. If <laughs> they, diamond if, is a
0: wizard's best friend. It is.
1: It is. In this case, it is right. A helmet made of diamond is a wizard's best friend. If you put yourself into a helmet that, when someone else puts it on, you can take control of their body, and in that way, you can pass your soul on from adventure to adventure, mm-hmm. and just kind of continue on in, in that way. I think would be really interesting. Sure so, thing. uh Yeah, but. I think it's time we put an end to this one. I think this is good. I think we've given you a lot to chew on this week. Uh, We... Thank Just you again. Stash
0: all these cor- cursed yes, objects yes, yes, exactly. away someplace. <laughs> we
1: thank you again so much, Nell Davis, for giving us this awesome prompt. This is a, a lot of fun to talk about. We love you. this. Um, you are the best. And as are all of our other listeners, we really, really appreciate all of the great recommendations that we've getting been getting from you recently. We have uh, next week another exciting listener topic coming up that we're going to talk about. And then actually a listener facilitated guest episode,
0: which oh, I think Ooh. will be
1: really, really cool. So. Ooh la la. Uh, I believe now it's time for us to pop on over into the Rec Room.
0: The Rec Room. Yes, the Rec
1: Room. And uh, Piper, I think you had a recommendation this week to talk about.
0: Yes, I do. I mean, we chatted about this a bit uh, during the Sentient Objects episode, but it just is so poignant that I'm going to bring it up again. Uh, If you are an anime fan or if you are not an anime fan, regardless, you should still check out uh, Norgami, uh, which is on Hulu, I believe. Um, In fact, there are at least two seasons, maybe a third. I'm not sure if that's been released yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really good, and it literally uh, most of the characters in the show are what is referred to as regalia. Mm-hmm. And they are human souls that have been transformed into weapons that or, gods or use. Or sometimes
1: clothes or sometimes, uh, you know. They can like be a other things. or whatever, yeah. Yeah,
0: they're usually a weapon first. Um, there's one character who she has taken on so many regalia that there really are no more weapons. So some of them are <laughs> like an earring or a <laughs> lion that she rides or a bra that covers her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you could be turned into anything for these gods' purposes. But That's, mostly. What a sweet job. <laughs> mostly they use them as weapons. <laughs> um, and what's, I think a really fun dynamic about that. Cause our main character is a guy who's kind of like a forgotten God and yeah. he's just struggling to get anyone to believe in him. So he's doing like petty miracles. Essentially, <laughs> if you need chores done, he'll go and do them for you. Yeah, for hoping sure. that you'll like pray at his little tiny shrine. He'll go um, clean
1: your bathroom for you. If you get you know bored of it, if you're, if you're tired of it, if you're like a janitor and you're like, this is always the worst room to clean. Exactly. Oh, oh, does god do it for oh, me. Oh
0: yeah. And he, he'll go and do it. Um, I think his name is Yato and, uh, his regalia that he gets is actually a kid uh, who dies and he like takes on his soul and the kid never wanted this to happen they have this very tense relationship and so the stronger that your relationship is with your regalia the stronger they are as a weapon and the better you can fight but the fact that like he and his regalia are constantly bickering with one another he will often like you know that'll make him lose in a battle or he the sword will be you know, in danger of breaking. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's yeah. also very funny.
1: Yeah. It's a great, it's a beautiful animation too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, really great show. It's, it, I think there's been sort of a renaissance of modern anime a little bit where there's a lot of accessibility yeah. in, in, you know, here in, in the West <laughs> to anime, but there's also it, so much of what in the early 2000s would have been just kind of a low budget, like sort of Uh, don't at me, Inuyasha fans, but sort of like an Inuyasha style, (laughs) like you never really see any action happening. It's all people just jumping in a freeze frame and then they're, you know, shouting and there's a lot of complexity mm-hmm. to a lot of the stuff that I think we've been seeing on on Netflix and Hulu and and uh, you know Crunchyroll of the streaming services mm-hmm. in the last couple of years, and it's really cool. It's great if you're an anime fan. It's a great time to be alive.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's a great recommendation. The other recommendation that I wanted to talk about is a, a dear friend of ours, Eight uh, Bit Taro on Twitter. They have been really, really great. We sort of mentioned this earlier in the episode that we've had some of our listeners. Making stat blocks for some of our creations. Um, Eight Bit Tarot has been so cool. They made after our boxers episode. They made uh, stat blocks for our kind of Mike Tyson boxer and the little Mac boxer Mm -hmm. that we kind of talked about. And uh, they just recently made stat blocks for the Acid Wizard from our uh, episode a few weeks ago. The
0: Acid Wizard,
1: the the, the Wizard that ruins the Olympics. uh, Yeah, that bastard is is so. Honestly, just we really, really appreciate it. Uh, Any way that you want to engage with our content is always so exciting, but uh, especially when you do honestly, more work than we do on the show.
0: (laughs) We're just bullshitting for an hour.
1: (laughs) For real. Uh, So it really means a lot to us um, that, you know, anybody who wants to kind of share their thoughts or, uh, you know, share how they've used our ideas or give us new ideas or take our ideas and expand upon them is always really, really exciting. So please feel free to share any of that stuff with us on Twitter. Uh, We are... Where on Twitter, Piper?
0: Oh, well, we are uh, at WorldForgePod on Twitter. And also, if you want to send us an email, you can do so by emailing us uh worldforgepod at gmail.com.
1: Absolutely. I kind of caught you off guard with that one that time. No. Didn't I? No, yeah.
0: I was so fluid in my delivery.
1: There was panic in her eyes. Oh, I can see. Yeah, I started sweating uh,
0: <laughs> like thousands of buckets of sweat.
1: Yes. Yeah, so thank you so much to all of you who have done that in the past and for those of you who continue to do it. We also would encourage you to leave us a review, a five star review, and a nice little comment on Apple Podcasts. Yes, please. Uh, share our show with a friend uh, it, it just does so much to help get our podcast out to new listeners and it makes our day every time we do it so please consider doing that and beyond that we hope that you have a great week a great day a great life and uh, we'll be back here again next time with another exciting episode yeah we'll about see you then a whole new fun whole exciting new listener topic yeah so uh, take care all of you lovely listeners out in listener land and uh, we'll see you next week bye
0: bye bye